Welcome to Kingsway International Christian Center Tirona, where we are raising champions and taking territories. We are sure this teaching will be a huge blessing to your life. For more information, visit www.kicccanada.ca. Now, get ready to be transformed by the Word. God has a word for me this morning. All right, so last week we started our conversation on honor. Somebody say honor. If you were not here last week, I would encourage you to get the message. It's online. You can listen to it. Uh, we started the conversation on honor. We went through the differences between respect and honor. Today we are going to be diving deeper, all right? We are going to be going a bit deeper today, and I want you to open up your heart to what God has in store for you. Something I'm definitely sure of is that each and every one of us at every level will have some form of adjustments to make. And why is God sending us this word? Because he desires for us to enjoy everything that he has for us in him. Praise God. And one of the things we established last week was that for us to step into that level where we're able to enjoy 100% of what God has in store for us, then we have to be men and women of honor. Praise God. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. Open your Bibles and just put your hands there. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. Malachi is in the New Testament. True or false? All right. I know most of us are actually clicking. We are not swiping pages. So even if I say you don't, you don't actually care because you know you will find it anyways. All right. So Malachi is at the border. The border of the old and the new. Are, are you there? Are we there? Almost there. Okay, I'll wait for you. Malachi chapter 1. We're reading from verse 6. Malachi chapter 1. We're reading from verse 6. Praise God. Praise God. Are we there now? Malachi chapter 1. We're reading from verse 6. Now, before, I, I want you to just put your hands there. If you are using a device, just hold on. And I'll say this very quickly. I've, I've listened a lot to... So people, I was going to say folks, but that's even one of the problems they have with our generation because of the kind of words we use. But I've listened to people of the older generation say things like they are very worried about the younger generation. How many of us have heard that before? That they are genuinely worried, genuinely scared. I'm scared for your generation. In our days, we had the old-time religion. In our days, we wore long flowing gowns. In our days, we served God wholeheartedly. In our days, when we came to church, we came seeking for God's presence. But I am scared for your generation. Your generation, you guys don't even want to wear clothes. You guys don't even want to serve God. Everything is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And, and 10, 20 years down from, from now, we are wondering if there's still going to be a church. How many of us have heard things like that before? Now, their cares and their concerns are actually valid. But God says that he has, in any generation, he has never been stranded. Did you hear that? It means that God will always have his people in every generation. No matter how bad it gets. Praise God. How many of us know what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah? The Bible says that a man came to visit, received a guest, and people from the city. That's not even happening now. People from the city knocked on his door and said, we heard you have a guest. Bring him out for us to sleep with him. 
Hello? Can you imagine that? This is not covert homosexuality. This is not, I've not come out. They call it coming out, right? This is not coming out. They were literally outside. Bring him out. And I'm like, what's going on here? So God has never been stranded, all right? Let me tap your neighbor and say, God has never been stranded. He always has an army. He always has his people. Praise God. And if there's anything the younger generation to do, it's time for us to wake up. It is true that God has an army. I mean, a lot of churches, when you talk about youth group, teenagers group, the, the next thing that comes to mind is dance. Break dance. Special number. You know, when God is pouring out his spirit on the younger ones, praise God. We need to step up beyond that and place a demand on what God is doing in our times. Praise God. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. Are you there? A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverent fear due me, says the Lord of hosts to you. O priests who despise my name, you say how and in what way have we despised your name? Praise God. Now, one of the effective ways to study the books of the Bible is to ask yourself, who was this written to? The book of Malachi was written to pastors. It was written to priests. It was written to prophets. And God here is charging them and saying that, if indeed I am your father, where is my honor? If indeed I am your master, where is my honor? Praise God. Praise God. James, the apostle, said something very important. He said that, a lot of us, now I'm, I'm, I'm rubbing all of us into this, because that is what the Bible says. He said, <clears throat> a lot of us say that we love God who we do not see, and we do not show love to our brothers who we can see. Are you still with me? So, the logic that James was suggesting to us was that if indeed you love God, you will show it by loving God's children. Are we still together? That you can see your brother. That you can see. Are we still together? Now, many people claim that they honor God. We sing it a lot. I honor you right now. What other song has honor? Blessings and glory. Honor and power be unto the ancient. Any other songs we honor? Quiz? Anybody? The only songs popping up in some of you is, is Rihanna. And Rihanna does not sing about honor. See now, God has caught you. All right. Scanning. Honor. Okay. Praise God. <laughs> and we sing all of these songs and we claim to honor God. But God is saying that if indeed you honor me, you will honor the ones on which I have placed my honor. Are we still together this morning? Are we together this morning? So how do we prove our honor to God? We are going to prove it by the honor that we place on God. Number one is to honor the Lord. Somebody say honor the Lord. And how do we honor the Lord? By honoring everything that God has placed his honor on. Remember we said last week, we do not respect. We respect because respect is reciprocal. We respect because respect is earned. But we honor because honor is demanded by virtue of what God has called a thing. Are we still together this morning? Alright, so what's the first thing we want to discuss that God has placed his honor on? Number one, God has placed his honor on his bride. Somebody say his bride. Are we still together? Do you know that Christ has a bride? Hello? 
Do you know Jesus has a bride? Do you know the name of his bride? The bride of Jesus is his church. And God has placed his honor on his church. I need you to follow me closely this morning. Now, I opened by talking about the, the younger generation and how the older generation feel that we are not ready to take over. But my only fear, and I say this with all sincerity, the only fear I have for the younger generation is how we have casualized dishonor. And dishonor in this generation is strengthened by facelessness. Somebody say facelessness. You can pick up a device, either use your account or create a dummy account, and you can say anything you feel like saying to anybody. True or false? And there's nothing they will do about it. Hello? Hello? I was still together this morning. Our generation has come to embrace disorder and you find believers partaking in it. You hear things like, all these churches are scam centers. And you see Christians replying, retweeting, oh yes, all of them are after your, all of them are after your money. All churches, they are scams. All right? Somebody comes and says, this pastor is a crook. And all of us just joined the bank. We're going. He said, yes, I've been suspecting that man. I've been suspecting that woman. All of them are crooks. Praise God. Praise God. God has put his honor on his church. And we must not join those who dishonor God's church. Now, am I saying that there are no crooks? No, absolutely not. In fact, the, the amount of mockery that is coming to the faith and to the name of God is so disturbing that sometimes it might discourage you. But we shouldn't be discouraged. Help your neighbor say, don't be discouraged. How many of you have ever seen a fake Louis Vuitton bag? There are probably more fakes than originals. Does it mean that Louis Vuitton will stop making bags? No. How many of you have seen fake Nikes before? In fact, do you know some people actually are after the fake? They go to a store and you bring it out. Say, how much is this? They hear the price. They say, no, no, no. I don't want the original. I want the mass pro. Have you heard that before? I want the mass pro. Version. So, see, there are people who, what they're after is not the original. There are people who, they come to a church, they hear the word of God, and they say, the someone in your church is too correct. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone to just lay hands on me and prophesy. Somehow, the demand and supply has created a lot of the sham centers we have today. But it does not mean God is still not in his church. Are we still together this morning? Praise God. Praise God. God takes his church very dearly. Have you seen a man who is crazily in love with his wife before? Have you seen the man? Now, if any of you say you've not seen here, then I might just throw my phone at you. Because you are looking at what? Praise God. Now, one of the last things he's going to accept is for you to say anything that derogates his wife. Unless he's not a good man. A man is standing and he has saying stuff about his wife and he's just looking and smiling. Just accepting it and soaking it. Then he's not a good husband. In the same way, Jesus Christ grins when he hears people say stuff about his bride. Said the church is useless. There is no hope for the church. Very soon, governments will crack them down. 
There are governments now requesting for pastors to hold degrees in theology before they are able to pastor churches. Praise God. Praise God. Let me show you something very quickly. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. I need to move faster. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Are you still with me this morning? Tap your neighbor and say, don't join them. Don't join them in dishonoring the church. When they bring the gist, you tell them to pray. Praise God. You know, you go on social media, you see some, some things, and sometimes you are just tired. You see some miracles, some staged miracles, and it breaks your heart. You see, you see some people, some all sorts, and they call it church. That is not his church. But we bear the same name, unfortunately. But that's not the church of Jesus. You tell people to bring underwear to church for anointing? That's not his church. It can't be his church. There was one my mom showed me recently. They, they brought soft drinks, Coke and Fanta. They'll give it to the man, then you pour it on them. Oh, that can't be the church. You are not reading your Bible. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Ephesians 5 and verse 25. Are you there? It says, husbands, love your wives. I don't know why we're talking. It's still next week that is for husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Cleansing her by washing with water through the word. Verse 27. I want all of us to read it together if you're there. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Is that in your Bible? Now, that is the target for the church. And God has never missed the target. How do I know that this is going to be the state of the church? Because he is going to declare it so. How do I know that he has the audacity to declare it so? Because he is God. The moment he says we are clean, we are clean. Hello? Stop looking for a perfect church. You won't find one. Stop looking for a perfect ministry. You are not going to find one. Stop looking for a perfect pastor. You are not going to find one. Are we still together here? In fact, some people have learned to honor God, honor the pastor, honor the church as long as it is their own church. They believe their denomination, they are the only ones going to heaven. They believe their pastor is the only one going to heaven. Do you know there are Christians who genuinely cannot enjoy fellowship with other Christians just because they are not from the same church? Praise God. Then you don't belong to the church. You belong to your church cult. <laughs> Praise God. It's terrible sometimes. You go for a conference, multiple speakers. Other people are preaching. There's nothing they can say. They're just looking. Spitting, anointing, and fire. Hmm. Then when it's time for their own pastor, hey, God has now come. Are you kidding me? You just missed out. Praise God. So he says he will present his church. So am I saying that the church is perfect? No. Am I saying that the church is faultless? No. If you check us well, you will find faults. If you check KICC well, you will find faults. Unless you're not checking well enough. In fact, you don't even need to check well enough. You will find faults. But the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. And said to Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon looked. 
Who? Who are you talking to? In the same way, God is saying, I will look at my church with all its imperfections, with all its inadequacies, and I will declare that my church is without blemish, and I will present her unto me. Are we still together? Stop seeking for a perfect church. The husband already says she is perfect. Praise God. Praise God. Tell your neighbor, put some respect on it. Ooh, glory to God. Now, God rates his church so highly that many times there's a song I love so much by Andrew Crouch. He says, and I believe it. He says that Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there is none other. Jesus is the way. Solid song. But I believe that Jesus being the answer to the world is through the instrumentality of the church. All the questions in the world today will be answered through his church. Because we are his bride and we are here. Are we still together? Are you with me this morning? So the church is the answer to the world. And God rates his church very highly. You might not rate us. You might think we are jokers. You might think we are stupid. There are people who genuinely feel that we are foolish. How can you believe there is a God? How do you keep going to church every Sunday? You are meant to rest on Sundays. You've worked from Monday to Saturday. You are going somewhere to make noise on Sunday. They even receive your money. You voluntarily give your money. You must be very stupid. If that is your definition of stupid, I'm happy to be stupid. If you ain't seen no stupidity yet, I'm about to get more stupid for him. The Bible says that he has confounded the wise. He has made foolish the wisdom of the world. So their own wisdom, their own... <laughs> I don't want to say well, wiseness or wisdom. The combination of all, has it helped them? Praise God. Praise God. Let me show us a prophecy about the church in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's a scripture we read often in Christmas. Woo! Please don't see. What we are learning is very important. It's easy for you not to say something about your own church and your own ministry. But please do not join anybody in saying it. Did you hear that? Don't join anybody in criticizing the church of God. If you hear something about a pastor, let your response be, I will pray for him. I will pray for her. I will pray for that ministry. Did you hear that? Are we, are we pledging to that? God's grace is more than sufficient for us in Jesus' name. Let me show us a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. I need two volunteers very quickly. I need two volunteers to come forward. Okay. Well, I have more than two. Okay, come, come, come. Okay, one and two. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. So just face. No, you can stay here so that you can see. Just face face the audience. Face the audience. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Nice. I am liking the bond and the unity. Is he a complete man, yes or no? Yes. All right. I'm answering for you. <laughs> is he a complete man, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Now, where is his head? On his head. That's... <laughs> That's the deepest thing I've heard today. His head is on his head. That's deep. All right. But we can see his head, right? Where is his head? We can see his head. And we can see his body, right? Now, this is what Jesus did. The Son of God is whole and is complete. He has his head. He has everything, all right? And then, 
he adopts a bride. So, amen. <laughs> All right. Some people, some people got it. All right. So, please stand in front of him. He adopts a bride. And what he does is that instead of having a union that is two people, what he does is he takes this off, which is the center of control, center of ownership, center of possession, center of direction. He takes it off and he brings this into him such that he remains the head and his bride is his body. Are we still together? Do we get it? So, such that we are not seeing two people anymore. But we know that from here is now his body. Are we still together? So let's read Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. It's going to make new sense to you. Thank you so much. You can go back. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is going to make new sense to you. Are you there? It says, For, I'm working with my time, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be where? Can you see that? Whose shoulders? The shoulders of this son that has been given. And we know that that son is Christ Jesus. Are you still with me? And we know that this new union that he has brought in, he ceases to have his own body. His body has now become his bride. And that means that what this scripture refers to, in essence, is that the government has become upon his church. Hello? Hello? Are you still with me this morning? I hope everybody is still together. Hello? The room is getting a bit more silent. You are looking at it now. That, oh, yeah. His shoulders, yeah. That's got to be the church. That's got to be you. That's got to be me. Verse 6. It says, and his name shall be called. Now, this is where we want to delve a bit deep if the time will permit. His name shall be called. What's the first name there? Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Now, verse 7 says that of the greatness, the KJV says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Now, there is an important phrase there. It says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Wow. Now, if you check this verse in any dictionary, and you saw the words that were used in the Hebrew to describe these verses, you will see that God's plan for his church is ridiculously mind-blowing. And his plan to achieve it is even more... <sighs> Praise God. Praise God. Do you know what wonderful counselor means? Now, when he talks about his government, he's talking about his rule, his dominion. He's talking about a kingdom. Somebody say kingdom. Where he is king and we are the body. Are we still together? Now, wonderful counselor. Do you know what wonderful counselor means? When you check the dictionary, I checked for you. Let me tell you what it means. I'm not talking of Webster, right? 
They are not anointed enough to explain spiritual things. So I checked the Hebrew dictionary for you. Wonderful counselor means an extraordinary strategist. The counsel there means wisdom that cannot that is not conventional. It's to a dimension, it actually means to conspire. That means that part of what God empowers his church with is extraordinary wisdom, such that in your marketplace, in your place of work in school, in career, what you bring to the table, you know, they ask that question a lot. I mean, you can't say this at an interview, but when you're at an interview and they're asking you, what do you bring to the table? Of course, I'm, I'm, talk, I'm telling you about the skills I have, but really, I know what I bring to the table is the power of the Holy Ghost. I have extraordinary wisdom to bring solutions and insights to this place. But I can't tell you that because you can't understand it. Are we still together? Extraordinary wisdom and insight. I checked the meaning of prince of peace. The prince there means a commander of an army. He's a military prince. And the peace there doesn't just mean, you know when we think of peace, we think of flowing waters that are no more flowing and stagnant. Then the water is peaceful. No. The peace there talks about welfare, talks about wholeness, talks about completeness, talks about prosperity. So you cannot tell me that prosperity is not in God's plan for the church. It was in the prophecy of Christ, even before the church was birthed. Praise God. Praise God. Now, how will all of this happen? The Bible says that the zeal, and that's where we're going to, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. I was curious and I checked. What does that word zeal mean? Do you know what I found? The word interpreted zeal in that scripture means intense jealousy. The intense jealousy of the Lord for his church. God's prerogative dangerous love. I mean, what's I've heard the saying that hell hath no fury like We've, you've heard that before? All right, there was a time I put many years ago, I was studying some things, and I said, there is a kind of hatred that the only people you can show it to is someone you once loved. Does that make any sense to you? Right, let's just close that chapter and move on very fast. Intense jealousy. Now, the other meaning of that word means sexual passion. This is Bible dictionary. It means that God is jealously, intimately jealous, passionate about his church. And that is the zeal. It is the strength of that bond that we achieve it. Praise God. Did you talk about everlasting father? We didn't talk about everlasting father. Everlasting father talks about a fatherhood that the behavior of the child cannot cancel the sonship. Woo! That's a good place to shout. Did you hear that? A fatherhood that the behavior, now the, 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 the parable Jesus gave about the prodigal son, as far as that son was concerned, he was no longer a son. In fact, at the time he was going back home, the only reason he went back home is because he knew that the slaves in his father's house were treated better than what he was getting. All right, but when the father was supposed to speak about him, he didn't say my bastard who had gone away. He didn't say my 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 foolish child who did not recognize the love that I had here who had gone away. He said, "My son, 
who was once lost in the heart of the father, he never stopped being his son. Glory to God. Glory to God. In the Old Testament, that has always been the plan for his church. Praise God. His fatherhood is everlasting. I've come into a fatherhood that is everlasting. I always have a father. That's what it means. I am never fatherless. Praise God. Praise God. You know, sometimes when, when we are praying and we say our father, you know, some people say our heavenly father, but I, 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 I found joy and consolation after I lost my dad. I said, whenever I say my father, it's obvious that I'm not talking about a physical father. I can only be talking about my heavenly father. Praise God. Praise God. Tap your chest. Say, I have a father. And this fatherhood is everlasting. Praise God. So the Lord has put his honor on his bride, upon his church. And we also must accord that honor. Praise God. We need to fly now. Somebody say fly. The Lord has also placed his honor upon his servants. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 12. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. We've been touching on this, so we won't dwell here because the last one, I want to dwell on it a bit. We've been talking about this. Now, it's easy to honor your pastor, but the true test of your honor is the honor you have for other men of God. Did you hear that? And other women of God. Praise God. Praise God. Ephesians 4, are you there? I'm sure most of you are there before me. I need to join you guys and start clicking devices. Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 11. Are you there? Now, it says that, so Christ himself gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave evangelists, he gave pastors, he gave teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Now, at, at, at the time that I was called to ministry and become a pastor, I, the last thing I wanted was for pastor to be in front of my name. In fact, for some of you who noticed, when you started calling pastor, what did I say? I said, stop it. That is not my name. It's a title. I was saying stop it until God started dealing with me. Why, why don't you want to identify? Because the typical term pastor has become bastardized in today's world. The pastor is seen as somebody, the, the, I'm sure you could probably check on Urban Dictionary and find the definition. Pastor, guy or lady who collects tithes and offerings. That's, that's, the, that's the world's definition of pastor in today's world. And I didn't want to have anything to do with that. I was like, no, God, I just want to serve you. And I started telling God of people who just be a brother, you know, and they've been ministers for many years, doing great things in the kingdom, and they just be a brother. I was like, God, brother. And God said, the person that bears brother, the people honor him as pastor, as father. So what's your excuse? Praise God. Someone say he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men, and we must honor the gifts that God has given to men. Praise God. We won't dwell here. Second, Chron Second Chronicles 20.20, 20, I will just read that. I will go to the last one 
for today. Second Chronicles. Are you being blessed so far? Are you sure you are being blessed so far? Second Chronicles. I'm sure you are going to be there before me. So just buy me some time. Second Chronicles 20. 2020. It's a nice scripture to, to memorize. Second Chronicles 2020. Are you there? Second Chronicles 2020. All right. It says, let me read it from the Amplified. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, now listen, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe and remain steadfast to his prophets and you will prosper. Praise God. Praise God. Now, in the new covenant, many, I, I don't want to explain anything here because of time. In the new covenant, many people find it difficult to understand how Christ has saved all of us together. True or false? True. How Christ has given us authority and seated us in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. True or false? How all of us can be that together. In fact, there are scriptures that people will want to dishonor. And disrespect pastors quotes they quote the, the 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 epistle of john where he said that you have no need for anyone to teach you because you have the holy spirit in you uh, all right and they interpret that as having no need for any pastor that we don't need a pastor that paul said when we gather one gives a sound one gives an exaltation one gives a spiritual song all right it is a demonic theology for you to remove the place of pastors and teachers and apostles because they were given as gifts to the church. They play a special role and we know that in the church of God in the New Testament, they were spiritual leaders. We were constantly committed to the ministry of the word and to prayer. Are we still together this morning? Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 16, I need to move fast. Matthew 16, 16, Peter speaking. He says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. All right. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Upon this rock. Some people have, I said this last week. Some people have misinterpreted that what Jesus was saying was that he was building the church on Peter. And the Catholics believe that very strongly which is why Peter is regarded as the first pope, right? Right? And we know that he was married, right? Hello? Because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Amen? Hello? So Jesus couldn't have been saying he was building his church on Peter. He was building his church on the revelation of what the Spirit revealed through Peter. Praise God. But they ended up becoming the church leaders. And God raised leaders all through scriptures. We see letters written to pastors in the New Testament. The letter to Titus, the letter to Timothy. They were written to young church leaders. Praise God. Praise God. Type your name and say, honor the servants of God. Look for another name and say, don't join in debating what you don't know. Look for another name and say, when a man falls, don't step on him. Stretch your hand. Praise God. Praise God. Have you been blessed so far? 
Come on, make some noise and give the Lord some praise. Now, the last part we are going to consider today is one I want you to never, ever, 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 ever forget. God has placed his honor upon your body. Somebody say, my body. I'm going to say that again. God has placed his honor upon your body. Now, let me say this very quickly for us to gain some insight. God does not dwell in time. I'm going to say that two more times. God does not dwell in time. In God, there is no past, there is no present, and there is no future. Time is a construct that God created for him to be able to relate with human beings. Are we still together? The very first thing God created was time. How do I know? Because the Bible opens by saying, in the beginning, which is a statement of time. Meaning that let us now start counting from here. But where God dwells is in eternity. Are we still together? It means that there is absolutely nothing new to God. He has seen it all. In our own time English, he has seen the end. That's why we call him Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. The truth is, it is just one complete picture to him. We are the ones calling it beginning, and we are the ones calling it end. Are we still together? Why am I saying this? Everything we see in the new covenant was God's original plan. The Bible says that the Lamb of God had been slain from the foundations of the earth. It was God's original plan. Are we still together this morning? It means that the Old Testament was an attempt to create fitting shadows that will point to the realities we see in the New Testament. And what was one of the cardinal things we saw in the Old Testament, it was the specific clear instructions that God gave concerning temple worship and concerning those who were going to work in the temple. He gave instructions for the Levites, instructions for the priests, instructions for the olive oil, instructions for the altar, instructions for everything. And all of that was pointing to a temple that will be revealed in the New Testament. Are we still together? Hello? Now, all of that, all of that drama and consecration, all of that peckiness and holiness for a physical temple, for a tent of tabernacle, for a great place of worship, just to point to what the real temple will be in the New Testament. All of that. All the sacrifices. You cut this goat, you cut this dove, you cut this pigeon, you bring this flower. All of that. Just to point to what the real sacrifices are in the New Testament. And what is that? The Bible says that the sacrifices of our God. Of unto God, the sacrifices, even the fruits of our lips, our praise, the shadow image, the throwback version of our praise was all of what they were doing. Which is why the Bible says you should come to him with the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. Constant worship and praise on your lips. But that's not even where we are going. All of that for a temple, and the Bible tells us the temple he had in mind. Open very quickly with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. As we begin to round up, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
verse 19. Hallelujah, hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? Now, all of what he was teaching in Exodus, in Numbers, in Leviticus, in Deuteronomy about the temple to be taken care of, all of that was a shadow of the real temple, the New Testament temple, which is not a building because in today's world, you find people who still pay honor and allegiance to buildings. When the temple officially has shifted from being bricks and buildings made with straw to being your very vessel where God has made his decision to tabernacle and to dwell. Somebody say glory to God. He says, know you not that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own you are bought at the price therefore honor god with your bodies somebody say honor god with your bodies now the word interpreted temple there is naos naos means shrine somebody say shrine so what the bible is saying is that know you not that your body is the shrine of the holy ghost doesn't the word shrine make you shrink with some reverence if I told you that there was a particular god or demon that was being you know the way those drums look that there's something there that is like a shrine to some god by some funny name when you're walking to the washroom you walk with some caution by that place right even though you know you're a believer tongue speaking in fact someone will say pastor we need to stop using this venue i've noticed that there's a spirit that is always you know trying to choke us when we are here but we know that this body is the shrine of the holy ghost it changes a lot it changes your attitude to sickness and disease. You see, what gives you the audacity to come into the place of God's dwelling? There is no room for you here. Get out in the name of Jesus. Do you know if you are truly filled with the Holy Spirit, your, your feeding will not be like people of the world. You are not eating to destroy yourself. You are eating to be around long enough for God to use your vessel. Are we still together? Are we still together? Somebody say, honor your bodies. If you see your body as God's shrine, you won't be involved in sexual immorality. You won't be, you can't, you can't even bring yourself to it. You can't. You are carrying your own shrine, God's shrine, to go and chill. You have the audacity to take God's shrine to someone's house. To, you can't do that. Not because you are afraid of sin, but because you all know that God, I am taking the entirety of God to this place. May the consciousness of the Holy Spirit haunt you all the days of your life. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say he lives in me. Somebody say he lives in me. Come on, you need to say it with a bit more confidence. He lives in me. I carry him everywhere I go. It changes your entire life, changes your entire conversations, changes absolutely everything about you. It means there is no space for any demon spirit in you because this is the shrine of the Holy Ghost. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't you rise to your feet this morning? Just rise to your feet and begin to bless the name of the Lord. For the parents in the room, if you don't mind, I would like to pray. I lay my hands on the kids today. For a lot of us, we are aware, we are conscious of this. But many times, the devil tries to use our kids as doorways to get into our families. 
and he tries to correct them, which is why I say for parents, please be, be more involved than ever in the contents your children are consuming. All right? Some people will call you being a weirdo. It's fine. Some people will say your own is too much. It's fine. The moment the Spirit of God on your inside doesn't agree with a thing, that thing ends. Hello? Hello? It doesn't matter. It might be the best cartoon in the world. The moment your spirit as the parent, either as the father or the mother, doesn't agree with it, that thing ends. Until the Lord gives you the go-ahead, that is the end of it. They won't die, all right? There is no cartoon your child needs to watch to live. None. There is no toy your child needs to survive. None, all right? Because you must, you are responsible for them. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. All right, and I have no doubt that you are able to maintain the integrity of yourself. Can the church just form a ring around them? Let's join our hands together very quickly. All right, let the church form a ring around them, and then for every child I'm laying my hands on, let the parents just stay behind that child. Someone shall be past that anointing oil as we pray for the kids. We decree that our bodies are totally uninhabitable for the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we consecrate our kids at a very young age their bodies become the shrine of the holy ghost there is no room for any other demon spirit anything that has been communicated to them through toys through cartoons through friends through daycare through school we banish it and send it out in the name of jesus these ones are for jesus in the name of jesus why don't you just raise your voice and begin to pray in the spirit for about 60 60 seconds, a minute or two. For those of you who can't speak in tongues, just begin to call the name of Jesus. It's the most powerful name in the world. Just say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Man, break the balls of Pacatalea. Jesus. And the lake to Sabrana Kashtala. Jesus. Jesus. Membe to la bagada bredegadesa. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Praise God. Parents, do I have your permission to pray with the kids? I'll be laying my hands on them. Please, let's be watchful on who lays hands on our kids. All right? If you do not permit me to, I won't force myself. All right? And this is a prayer of agreement. We are trusting God that our children are for signs and wonders. I'm going to say that again. Our children are for signs and wonders. For those of them that have siblings that are not here, and for those of them that have siblings yet unborn, we consecrate their entire lineage that they are for Jesus. Their bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost. None of our children will become involved in witchcraft. None of our children will become involved in witchcraft. None of our children will become involved in occultism. They will serve the Lord all the days of their lives. When they get to the age of making a decision that they will commit their lives to, they will decide for Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we consecrate this vessel. 
as a vessel for your use in the name of jesus every illegal occupant we cast out of this temple and we decree that this temple is for jesus in the name of jesus father in the name of jesus we consecrate this vessel that this vessel is for jesus this temple is the temple of the holy ghost every illegal occupant that has gained access shamefully satan will rebuke you and we command you out in the name of jesus never to return in the mighty name of jesus father in the name of jesus we decree that this vessel is for jesus this is the temple of the holy ghost every illegal occupant we cast you out in the name of jesus say that get out this vessel is for jesus all the days of our life in the name of jesus father in the name of jesus we decree that this vessel is sanctified every satanic entity that has gained illegal entry banish you and we decree that all the days of our life she is for jesus in the name of jesus father in the name of jesus we decree that this vessel is for jesus all the days of our life any entity that is occupying any space we banish you and we decree that this temple is the temple of the holy ghost in the name of jesus father in the name of jesus we decree that this temple is for jesus this vessel is for jesus every legal occupant we banish satan we command you to get out this vessel is for jesus all the days of our life in the name of jesus somebody give the lord a big shout hallelujah 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 praise to the name of jesus What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Have you been blessed this morning? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Please be seated in God's presence. What a mighty God we serve. Woo! Thank you for a wonderful time in your presence. Thank you.